Coming up on Stu Does America. Sure, you could listen to doctors and scientists about coronavirus, but why would you do that when you can learn from celebrities? Plus, Selena Zito from the Washington Examiner looks at the coronavirus panic from a perspective that the rest of the media is ignoring. And Daniel Horowitz of Conservative Review is looking at what is getting ignored as well, the giant bailout bill. What wonderful surprises are we going to find within? When you get your $1,000 check, there's no better way to spend it than subscribing to Blaze TV 10 times. Plus, if you go to blazetv.com slash stew and you use the promo code stew, you'll still have 100 bucks left over because you'll save 10 bucks each time. If you, if you kind of prefer things that are free, like, you know, Bernie's Healthcare, just go to YouTube or your podcast app and click subscribe. Make sure to rate and review because that's how other people discover the show and the network actually, you know, keeps it on the air. And please share this show with anyone you think might like this combination of smart analysis and stupid jokes and only occasionally the opposite. Stu does America. Today, President Trump held his latest press conference alongside his coronavirus task force. And he arrived offering some hope for the treatment of COVID-19 in the immediate or near future. Here's what he had to say. So you have remdesivir and you have uh, chloroquine and hydro, hydroxychloroquine. So uh, those are two that are out now. Uh, essentially approved for uh, prescribed use. And I think it's going to be very exciting. I think it could be a game changer, and maybe not. And maybe not, but I think it could be, based on what I see, it could be a game changer. Very powerful. They're very powerful. <laughs> it just rolls off the tongue. It's like he's a chemist, you know, making the drugs himself. But here's the thing the president won't tell you. You don't need medicine to cure COVID-19. You don't need vaccines. All you need to do is imagine. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us. Above us on this sky. Imagine all the people. Living for today. Isn't that beautiful? It's an incredible group of celebrities of which you'd know a solid 40% of. But it went viral, which is the cure for all viruses. How do we stop SARS? Hashtags. How do we stop MERS? TikTok videos. But you didn't know that. Performing in the video, you had uh, Wonder Woman, uh, the other Wonder Woman, the lady selling the purses in the conference room in the, on the office. Uh, you had the woman who ruined Star Wars. You had the daughter of someone who played guitar for a song on the soundtrack of Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Uh, I had a lady who is brave enough to be a model despite only having one eye. And a woman who had a really woke understanding of blackface. Can't wait until Sarah Silverman starts running Virginia or Canada. And finally, there's the guy who played the t Detective Malloy, I'm sure you'd remember, of course, in the movie that ruined Meg Ryan's career. Though, to be fair, you might know him as the one thing in the Avengers that people don't like. These are supposedly A-listers, but most of them are being best known for being A-holes. They keep getting hired just because their directors know their jobs aren't in jeopardy. You'd think they know how to set up a decent-looking camera shot by now. I mean, I, like, what? this is not, it's not even well lit. And don't forget Hollywood. This, of course 
isn't live. If you don't hit all the notes, you could just record it again. Above us on this sky. I'm sure, really, the guy can sing, but he almost seemed to apologize with his face on the last note. One thing is for sure. The other, uh, you know, well, other than the fact that this Instagram video will solve the COVID-19 crisis. Well, and of course that Sarah Silverman wears blackface. There's one thing for sure. The song Imagine just sucks. Can we be honest about it for once? This is supposed to be some inspirational song that starts out. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us, only sky. Translation, there's no right or wrong. And there's nothing bigger to be living for. You know, it's just us, a bunch of evolved apes walking around, eating, drinking, peeing, pooping, and dying after you catch the coronavirus, of course. What a glorious inspiration. I do have to admit that the line, imagine all the people living for today, that fits pretty well. It's all people living for today instead of planning for tomorrow and the completely predictable global pandemic that has all you guys quarantined in the first place. You also have to love the uh, millionaire celebrities preaching to us, imagine no possessions, I wonder if you can. Yeah, you know, really not having uh, a bunch of nice stuff is pretty easy for most of us to imagine. I know it's shocking. I guess for them, no possessions is particularly terrifying because how else are you going to fill the 12,000 empty square feet? Think of how much your voice would echo down the corridors of your walk-in closet. Closet, closet, closet. Or in Gal Gadot's case, closet slash kitchen, which apparently is fully staffed. Wow. Or how about Natalie Portman's 10-acre, $6.5 million Montecito estate? Or if you're currently in the market, that dude from the weird S&M movie that women really liked because they apparently want to be pursued sexually by their boss. He's moving away to Hollywood, too, I assume, with some place, you know, maybe with some less restrictive sex torture laws. Don't worry, his place is only slightly over $3 million. And apparently Wonder Woman royalties from the 70s are pretty solid as Linda Carter spends her time in a quaint 20,000 square foot mansion. I wonder where the invisible plane is parked. Obviously, I'm kidding. I can't tell because the plane is invisible. I suppose I could be more charitable here. Let me think about that. Yeah, I suppose I could be more charitable here. I guess I could take this for what it is. A really crappy song, mostly written by the lady that destroyed the Beatles, being sung by a bunch of well-meaning celebrities in the middle of an unthinkable situation. Maybe they don't have a way to solve all the world's problems themselves, and they're just trying to do the best with what they can and, and what they have. Maybe Sarah Silverman should have been singing in blackface. But if I took lessons from Mark Ruffalo, I don't think I'd be so charitable. He's uh, one of the well-known celebrities uh, that take to Twitter after every tragic shooting to downplay anyone who sends thoughts and prayers to the victims. Here he is after the Brussels shooting. Our thoughts and prayers aren't enough for what happened in Brussels today. Remember that these acts are meant to divide us. We can't let them. Little known fact, the Brussels shooting is the fault of the Second Amendment and the NRA. Think about it. He also tweeted this gem. Prayers without a court in action are silent lies told to oneself, heard by no God, amounting to nothing. Action is the language of truth, the prayers of the saints. Ugh, can you imagine going, ladies, can you imagine going on a date with that guy? Wouldn't that be fun? Now, this is always confusing to celebrities. You see, you can pray for someone and 
take appropriate legislative or cultural action to try to help. They're not mutually exclusive. You just don't like the fact that some people disagree with your solutions. But beyond that, if you're religious, praying isn't some empty gesture to a non-existent super being in the sky used to avoid responsibility. It's the most heartfelt and important thing a Christian can do in that situation. Whether you believe it or not, doesn't matter. They do. And their intent is to try and be helpful and calming and full of grace. I might think your stupid song, sung by your stupid friends, is completely stupid. I might note privately that the reason you have to imagine all of those things is that they're all imaginary. But I can still recognize that you're trying to be a calming influence in a difficult time. I can recognize that your intent is good, even if your song choice is not. So what is the one thing you should have seared into your memory from all of this? What's the one thing you should never forget? Sarah Silverman in blackface. That's about it. Remember, Sarah Silverman in blackface. Selena Zito is a columnist and reporter for the Washington Examiner and co-author of a great book, The Great Revolt. Uh, her newest article is Coronavirus and the Small Ohio City Longing for a Return to Normal. I don't know if there's another reporter in America who understands the areas outside of New York and Washington, D.C. better than Selena Zito, and she joins us now. Hi, Selena. How are you? Hey, Stu. How are you? Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, thanks for coming on. So you, you seem to be maybe at home. Are you uh, quarantined as we speak? Um, well, um, I am at home right now, mm -hmm. but, uh, I have been going out to different parts of the country, uh, and, and trying to be able to continue to tell the story of, of America in the, in this moment, I'm taking politics completely out of the equation. And quite frankly, people aren't really talking about politics anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I, I started my journey in my hometown of Pittsburgh, where I live. Uh, and went to a really vibrant area of town called the Strip District. It, it, think of it as like a continuous tailgate party in terms of, you know, food cooking and trinkets being sold mm. and just sort of a very um, come together kind of place. Uh, I'm, the next place I went to was East Liverpool, Ohio. It's along the Ohio River, uh, right beside the Panhandle of West Virginia. Uh, and a small little town, 11,000 people, 15% of those people, 15 to 20%, they're not quite sure, uh, are, are over the age of 65. Mm. Uh, so they have a very vulnerable po population. Uh, the population, and they have a hospital there, it only has 152 beds. Um, wow. So I sat down, oh, I didn't sit down, actually. I talked to the mayor 10 feet away uh, about the situation, how things are going in town, how he's able to manage it. Uh, he just won election. He was just sworn in. Um, and, and so the challenges that, that he is facing. But also, Stu, and I think this is really, really important thing to, to for people to understand. Uh, there's two different Americas. Do you remember how John Edwards talked about two different Americas? Yeah. Well, he, you know, he talked about rich and poor. Uh, this is a very inside-outside moment in American culture. 
And what I have found, whether I was in my hometown or in East Liverpool, Ohio, or at the uh, ministry that I was at in Cumberland, Maryland, that is feeding 200 people a day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner that are homeless. Mm. Um, People are very aspirational. They want to be part of something bigger than themselves. That is difficult to do when you are supposed to be quarantined, but it's not impossible to do. And people are finding ways to help their neighbors, to help the, the, you know e- each other. The hardest thing for people is to not be with their families, in particular their parents and or their grandchildren. I would be one of those people. Uh, and uh, But yet they are finding ways to still contribute to society in a meaningful way. Uh, and, and, and I have been just really moved uh, by everything that I have seen. I've also been down to uh, Kentucky, in Paris, Kentucky, the thoroughbred uh, uh, town in, in the country uh, with a farming family who has a, uh, who has a small farm but had a, uh, a horse that was seated between number one and number two going into the Kentucky Derby. Oh, yeah. It was a really big deal for a very small farm. Uh, and sort of just, you know, the, 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 um, the, the, the husband said, because look, my parents are okay. My kids are okay. I'm okay. I still have my farm. Uh, so I'll deal with the financial devastation of that another time. Mm. Uh, it's, you know, it's fascinating because I think you more than any other reporter I know of are always out and you're talking to people directly and your style in particular has got to be really affected by this. I mean, you, you know, you're, you're well known for talking to people, you know, lots of people and getting perspectives uh, from from the average person on the street. You know, you, you now you have to kind of like yell across the street to talk to anybody. What's it what's it what's it like trying to do this job right now? Well, you know, you find ways to do it. Right. So uh, <laughs> when I was at the homeless shelter, uh, you know, my boss would have killed me if I would have exposed myself to 200 people. Uh, so uh, we just talked to each other through the door on our cell phone. Wow. Um, and he sent videos and and um, uh, photos on the other side. Um, uh, you know, African-American community in Youngstown, Ohio, the barbershops and the small uh, beauty salons, you know, uh, all ethnic neighborhoods in you know like italian neighborhoods or um african american neighborhoods or these ethnic neighborhoods that have lived in in these footholds um for generations they're used to several different things that are makes them incredibly vulnerable um they're used to generations of their families living together they're used to barbershops being the center of the community um beauty salons in the way that um um, african-american women the process that goes through to get their hair done sometimes takes three, four, five, six hours to get done. And that becomes like this big, beautiful um, sort of center of town, right? Where people are gossiping mm. and, you know, just like getting, you know, talking with each other and neighbor being neighborly. And, you know, these relationships are, are, are really deep. And so talking to them about how they're managing that, you know, is, has been incredibly inspiring. The same with the churches. Um, I just got the phone with uh, a, a pastor from um, uh, in, in Youngstown. We couldn't talk face to face. 
where we could talk through the door on the phone. Mm. Um, but I wanted to make sure that I'm physically in these places because I want to see and feel and smell um, what they're seeing and feeling and smelling and bringing that back to the reader. Um, I will be heading to Gettysburg this weekend. Mm. National Park is still open. Gettysburg is one of the most solemn places in this country. It was the turning point of the Civil War. 50,000 people died there. Um, but people are, are, are going there. And I suspect it is a place where they can reflect and pray and be grateful uh, that, uh, you know, for their ability to go there and share that experience. Mm. Um, that's, that's amazing. Glenn has an event supposedly coming up in Gettysburg this summer. I, I don't know what's going to happen with that at this point. Um, let me drill down to one of these communities here, uh, East Liverpool, Ohio. Um, I, th- I thought your, your story was really, you painted such an interesting picture because here's a town that's kind of coming in with a new mayor, a lot of hope, kind of this uh, kind of get something kickstarted. And yeah. n- not only is that kind of, you know, on delay right now, which is a, is a huge story in and of itself. And lots of places are dealing with that. We keep hearing about New York and San Francisco and Washington and Seattle. Um, but the other part about that I thought was interesting was this is a town that is dealing with all this with no victims, with no victims really anywhere around uh, the area. And so it, it, did you find people were, you know, OK dealing with this? Were they were they saying to themselves, why do we have to why do we all have to go into our own places? This is even affecting us yet. What was their what was their vibe? Um, well, their vibe was, you know, I think initially, I would say a lot of people were skeptical about this, mm-hmm. um, mainly based on the fact that there was very little information. Uh, but as it became, as we became more educated on the possibilities of what could happen, people stopped thinking about how annoyed they were, and they started thinking about, well, well, I'm fine. But what if I'm one of those people that is a carrier? I never know I have it. And I give it to my grandchildren Mm -hmm. or I give it to my pregnant daughter or I give it to my parents. And people really stepped up and and behaved responsibly. And and it was it was very empowering talking to people like that. Uh, I just got off the phone with the East Liverpool mayor. By the way, a funny story about him. He he just decided in September to run. Wow. And it was, and the election was last November. And it was too late for him to be on the ballot. Hmm. Uh, and so he did a write in campaign and he won. <laughs> and he won overwhelmingly. Really? Oh, yeah. He's this young man. He's 32 years old. His parents, his grandparents founded a cafeteria. Uh, it's called Bricker's Cafeteria. They're, they were still open feeding, uh, you know, people that were coming in. It's also a, a convenience store. So they sell toilet paper and, you know, things like that. Um, and 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 I said to him, I said, do you regret winning now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he said, no. You know, I mean, this is like a 32-year-old. Just think about this. He's on the board of the hospital. He's the president of the Rotary Club. He's on the chamber. He's like that that young person, that millennial that you really, really are just amazed by. Mm. And he's like, no. And so when he called me just before we went on the air, he goes, I just want you to know, Selena, I went around and got um, donations from, you know, the Walmart and the dollar bank or the dollar store and, and the restaurants that are closing. 
and I pulled it all together and we're distributing breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day at the, at the city hall. Um, and, and, you know, and, and until we don't have to anymore, people can just come and pick it up. We are following protocol and we're taking care of our city. That's fantastic. Uh, we got about 30 seconds left here, Selena. How long are people in that mode? How long are people able to stay in the I'm helping and I don't mind being in my home sort of mode? What is the timeline on something like that? I think that's the great unknown. Uh, I think next week will tell us. Uh, next week was probably where we're going to see, maybe next week and two, or where we're going to see the greatest amount of, of, of confirmed cases. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to see the greatest probably amount of casualties. Uh, I think it's going to be sobering. And people will likely realize that they contributed to not making it even worse. And, and that will sustain them for uh, hopefully as long as it takes for us to then, after we've flattened the curve, how long does it, how long does it take to stay, um, you know, to, to keep this safety going? Yeah. Um, I'm hoping that people can um, check out, you can sign up for my emails. They're free and they're fun and they're not fattening. Uh, <laughs> they're sans politics. It's all, I'm going to be going all over the country. They just can go to, it's my name selenazito.com and to sign up for the emails and i would love to bring people along with me they can and if there's something going on in their town they can just email me and tell me i'd be happy to get there i'm meeting up with a convoy of trucks on the turnpike on monday oh, delivering very cool uh, and no one paints a picture like selena zito do it do this sign up for these emails selenazito.com also with the washington examiner selena thanks so much for coming on the program anytime just anytime thank right. you thank you back in a second So Media Matters has uncovered another scandal, and I'm pretty excited to tell you about it because they're very they're very honest brokers and they go out there and they look, uh, you know, they don't even really look. I don't think it's fair to say that they're looking for things that are wrong, but occasionally they happen to catch them. They're just listening to shows and trying to you know, think of the other side and what they might be thinking and, and trying to take their their points in the best possible way. And every once in a while, they detect something going awry a point by a conservative that they find offensive and they want to alert the rest of the nation about it. And this tweet, I think, can give you a kind of quick outline as to what the problem was. It's from about Ben Shapiro. It says Ben Shapiro promises he's not racist while calling certain culinary practices in China gross and disgusting. He says Chinese people must stop eating frigging bats. Now, that is a controversial opinion by Ben Shapiro, when here in America, obviously, 75 to 80 percent of people have bat on Tuesdays. It's, it's bat day. Tuesday is bat day, as we, all, we always say around the house. Uh, no one in America finds it disgusting to eat a bat, and there's been no negative consequences to it. Now, occasionally, yes, you know, there's some jumping over from species to species, and you get a little, like, sickness that goes around the world in a few weeks and, and wipes out the entire economy. But you know what? The bat was tasty. First of all, seasoned. Second of all, Parmesan cheese. Put a little bit on top of that, dip it in some marinara. Delish, okay? Then you got the little bat soup going on. If you've never had bat soup, then you need to because, and I will say, better creamy than broth. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna tip it off right now. Go with the creamy version instead of the brothy version. The broth is fine, uh, you know, for an appetizer, but the cream has some real heart to it. Um, and the heart is actually in, in the soup too, so that helps. Um, here is the actual quote 
from Ben Shapiro. You tell me how controversial it is. The entire world economy is now stopped dead, like completely stopped dead. All because China would not shut down the practice of people eating freaking bats at the local markets. This has been a problem for, for decades. Okay, this is nothing new. Going all the way back to the 1950s, there was an Asian flu. It was literally called the Asian flu, an Asian flu outbreak in the late 1950s. And it came from these animal markets. The Chinese government is an authoritarian government. At the very least, they should be outlawing these markets. They should be prosecuting people who are selling exotic animals for people to eat. And this is and, and by the way, that's not cultural racism in any way. Don't eat the frickin bats, you idiots. <laughs> I mean, look, we can pretend all we want. Literally no one in this country just disagrees with that point. You don't eat bats. Just don't eat them. Stay away from bats. They're terrible, terrible creatures. And you know what? Am I being racist against bats right now? I am. Don't like them. Don't like bats. Don't like snakes. Neither one should come anywhere near your mouth. It's not a good idea. The point there, of course, is that this is a disease that's gone or a virus that's gone across the entire globe now because of certain practices uh, that included bat eating. Uh, it's, now, there's some disagreement and no one really knows exactly. Bat soup was the first thing that was kind of um, uh, mentioned. Uh, they do believe it initially came from a bat, may have gone to another species first and then was eaten. We don't know exactly where it came from. However, there is a really good argument to not eat bats. And I would say, what is worse? Eating bats or working at Media Matters? I don't know. They're very close. These are two things that are almost identical. I would, I would, probably, I would probably dive right in to a bat nugget before going to work at Media Matters, but I think some people might disagree with that analysis. It's a very close thing. I will say uh, Matt Ridley, if you know who Matt Ridley is, he's a, an author, wrote one of my uh, favorite books of all time, Rational Optimist. Um, he is a guy who's made a real career of saying, hey, this thing that everyone's freaking out about, you shouldn't freak out about it. Not that big of a deal. Uh, he's debunked a lot of these big uh, worry, uh, these kind of media hypes uh, that everybody worries about. And he kind of talks you back down to earth. And I like that sort of style. I generally don't freak, about, freak out about things. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things where he had mentioned in an article about this particular topic that one of the actual plans, one of the steps needed to be taken before this uh, broke out, because we've seen uh, viruses come out of the bat situation before and spread around the world, is a ban on eating bats, working towards an agreement between countries, a treaty, if you will, that maybe bats aren't the food thing. Maybe they're just the scary thing in the tree that turns into the, the teenager and makes lots of Twilight movies. Maybe it's just that. Maybe it's the thing, you know, the, it hangs out with Count Chocula, I think. That's okay. Count Chocula is okay to eat. Bats aren't okay to eat. And maybe we should all kind of come together and say, you know, we've noticed this minor issue here where, you know, these diseases and viruses break out and they go all over the world. Maybe stop, you know, chomping in, uh, you know, taking the knife and the fork uh, to the wings and, and having some bats. I, I, like, is that possible? Can we come to that agreement? He actually mentioned that as a real solution. They do that sometimes. You know, when they had, I think it was SARS, it came from, I don't know, some weird creature that I've never heard of. And, 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 and there's some issue here where there are certain countries where it's it's hard to eat and you take what you can get and whatever is alive if you can kill it and cook it it's food you know and i look i you know i kind of sounds gross to me um but who you know wh who am i to judge right well i mean i, I think i'm i have some good clarity on this particular uh topic and i think it's kind of gross so if you're going to have this, and it's just, what was it, gross and disgusting? Those are two words that really describe the situation of eating bats well.
are like really good adjectives when it comes to bat eating. But the idea is maybe you take these specific species that are leading to these outbreaks. Um, what they did in, uh, with SARS is they wiped out basically the entire area, any of these of this species in this entire area to make sure they could wipe it out. With MERS, it went to um, uh, the Middle East and it was in camels. And camels are very important in the region. They're not going to wipe out the entire thing. So that's probably coming back to haunt us at some point too. get ready for the MERS thing, which, by the way, I don't know if you know this stands for Middle East Respiratory Sy Syndrome. It's hateful. It's telling you where it's from, and that means hate. So don't, you, you don't want that to happen. Um, but that is actually a legitimate thing. And I will say this. Um, I am kind of the same way as I described Matt Ridley. I, I generally see these things and say, hey, relax, calm down. And this one I've been a little bit more worried about um, because the more and more you read about it, you realize these... There's a, a real scenario here that's not outlandish where we're dealing with a massive, massive problem of people dying in this country. And a lot of people say, well, it's, it's old people and it's only people with pre-existing conditions. OK, to put that in perspective, there's like 50 million people in this country that are 65 and older. So like that's a lot of people to kind of just be like, ah, it's just them. In addition, there's over 130 million Americans with chronic health conditions. You know, that's like almost half the country to kind of toss them in the garbage and say, ah, it's just them is not really a great approach here. I think we need to have a more aggressive uh, stance. Now, I will say this um, as as I got a little freaked out, I, I, I had this moment where I was kind of coming. I would come back and forth. You know, I'd be a little bit worried and I'd be like, well, maybe it will turn out OK. The thing that's maybe freaked me out more than anything is reading Matt Ridley on this topic, because this is a guy who has been doing the opposite of this for a very long time, saying, look, this is uh, this is not that big of a deal. Here's the reason why this is why this is going to work out. OK, he's not there on this one. Even Matt Ridley is saying, look, this is this could be really bad. So the actions being taken um, are are significant for a reason. Uh, and we're, you know, of course, we've been talking about that a lot, but it is something that we're going to have no choice but to continue talking about because it's our freaking life now. You live in virus land, okay? We've all gone viral, and we used to think that was a good thing. It's not, okay? This is terrible. This is terrible. I've only seen four people, um, and uh, you know, most of them are sitting right here, and they're awful. They're they're not even good people. The people that I see, they're just like the they're like the ones that they were like, hey, who's who in the company can we send in in the middle of a virus scare? I don't know these guys. That's who I see every day. It's these guys. They're like, the Expendables, who are they? It's these guys. You'll go see them every day. And then I realized they're sending me in too, which means I'm also Expendable, which kind of lines up, to be honest with you. Kind of makes a lot of sense. I have some good news and some bad news before we leave you. Good news and bad news. Which one do you want first? Which one? You want the good news first? Okay, good news first. Good news right here. First U.S. company has announced an upcoming home COVID-19 test. Yes, they say it's going to be out on March 23rd. And you're going to be able to take this and just jam, a, you know, a giant Q-tip in the back of your throat or up your nose and get all the good stuff and put it in a bag and send it off for, for uh, testing. It's about three days and you'll have a result on as to whether you got a, a positive effect uh, or a positive test or not. Now, the effect of this is it's positive. We're moving it along, though. Three days is tough. Plus, you have to get the test. And I will say it's not like you can just have the test on hand. I was thinking to myself, you know what? The way this is rolling out, if I feel some symptoms, I want to test at my house. I'll, I'll spend a little bit of money on it, have it at my house, 
jam the thing in my back of my throat, and then send it in so I can get a result as fast as possible to know if I'm positive for COVID-19. It's not really the way it works. You still have to get it cleared. I mean, the testing thing has been rough, I will say. It's ramped up uh, significantly. Did I show you the graphs here? You can check my Twitter page if you want to see the uh, graphs. I've been you know, kind of sending, up the, uh, sending out those updates every night. And we have ramped up testing significantly, but not quite fast enough. This is a really good um, uh, development, though. The faster we can get the private sector involved, a company can put this together, the better. If this can happen, um, you might wind up with a real positive at the end where people at least will know if they are able to uh, spread this disease uh, because of the, or this virus. Virus and disease. Everyone gets so nitpicky on that. Now let me give you the bad news. Let me leave you with the bad, terrible news. This could be the worst news of the whole thing. Hundreds of thousands of people might be dead. This, this is worse. What I have here is worse. The European Union, and this could be coming here as well, is urging Netflix and other streaming platforms to stop showing video in high definition to prevent the internet from breaking under the strain of unprecedented usage due to the coronavirus pandemic. Everyone's at home, everyone's on Netflix, everyone's watching videos all day, and they're all watching them in high definition, and they're not used to having this many people at home because when you're at work, you have to kind of like, you can only watch short videos, maybe you're only watching them on YouTube, it's not high definition. You're at home, you're just watching Netflix. You're going for it. So, so much, this, the internet's getting to the point where it's being strained. Um, and I, I didn't really know this was the type of thing that could happen, but they're talking about breaking the internet. The uh, Netflix is going to downgrade the quality of their video while everyone's home watching it. We are watching so much Netflix, we're breaking the internet. We're breaking the internet from Netflix which sounded like bad news because they were downgrading the video, but you have to be a little proud that you're breaking the internet. I mean, that's pretty good. The last time that that happens, usually like a Kim Kardashian photo. That comes out, they break the internet. Now you're breaking it from watching too much Ozark. So you can have that and uh, take that to the bank. We'll be back in a second. Daniel Horowitz is the senior editor of Conservative Review and the host of the Conservative Review podcast right here on Blaze Network. He's also the author of Stolen Sovereignty, How to Stop Unelected Judges from Transforming America. Uh, Daniel, welcome to the program. Great to be with you in this time of peril. I know. It's a crazy time. And I want to jump right into the bailout package and, and start from the big, the big picture view here for a second. Normally on a bailout, I'm just like, no, <laughs> I'm boring on this. I'm like 100% just no, stay out of my face, no bailouts. And that's kind of how I was in 2008, honestly. This one, though, is different to me in some way. And I want to get your perspective on this because here is, you know, we're telling businesses, the government is saying, no, you can't operate. No, you need to close down. Nobody gets to go to your place anymore. Go home. This seems to me to be a little different than the, the past bailout situations. Am I right in, the, in that thinking? Exactly. And that's why everyone agrees there is a short term immediate need to do something. The problem is what they're doing is always a pre-made packaged deal of ideology that they always wanted to implement, mm. that they just use a crisis to never let it go to waste to, to, to put out there. So here's the deal. If you would want to target it, it should be those who were shut down. They're not eligible for unemployment insurance. Mm -hmm. They're not eligible for any of the other programs. So you target it short term to those people. But then you would also have a general strategy on how to get America back to work. 
The problem is what the government is doing is incongruent. They're talking about stimulus and then they're shutting people down. The, the thing now is you need work to be able to stimulate. So what they should be doing is sending money to people in a way that it's situationally tested, not means tested. So here's the latest information we had. If you earn more than 75,000 as an individual or 150,000 as a family, then your, your rebate is phased out. But that's even if you were shut down. But then there's people like me. Look, I'll take money. But, you know, our model works off of telecommuting. I have a family of five. I would get through thirty nine hundred dollars for free. Again, I'll take it. But why? Why do that? And there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people like that. Don't throw money in the garbage. And here's the thing. If it is free, you know what, Stu? Do 50,000, do 100,000. If you're going to tell me there's no problem with China buying up our debt, then then just, you know, there's no limit because here's the problem. While this is an enormous macro cost at a micro level, it's really not that much if government is is creating a self-fulfilling strategy to shut down for months, which is very dubious based on what we saw in Asia and even in Washington state with the numbers going down. Let's try to get things working earlier and then this will make sense and then we could survey the damage. Mm -hmm. But again, never let a crisis go to waste. Yeah, and it seems almost impossible to see the American people you know, putting up with a long-term uh, thing like that. I don't, I don't know how that plays out. And this is why it was also very much to your point as, as how frustrating it was to hear Mitch McConnell say, look, just suck it up and vote for it even if you don't like it. They aren't even attempting to say what they're doing is the right thing. They're just dumping money out of a helicopter right now. That, that, that's the thing. They're dumping money. Then there's the bailout component, which it's still up in the air. Um, remember, this is the right goalpost. It's this is the Republican proposal. Mm. Then the House Democrats are going to do their thing. And this is the problem. Republicans are starting within the exclusive confines of the Democrat focus, which is always subsidy, subsidy, subsidy. And again, there's an element that's needed targeted in the right way. Mm -hmm. But what about the regulatory relief that's needed? What about stimulus of getting people back to work, but then cutting suspending taxes? That's a better way to incentivize work rather than staying home for at least the vast majority of people that don't need to be quarantined and, you know, doing it in the right social distancing way and things like that. What about, Stu, immigration? Mm. Here's the deal. To not address a permanent statutory trigger to shut off travel the minute we know about an outbreak in a country like China, which we did not do for, for weeks, mm -hmm. is to not is to have not addressed box cutters on planes after 9-11. Yeah. But they're not even discussing that. This is what I find so offensive. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, because this is not something, cause I, you know, look, I, I want the government to do like four things. Um, but, but being prepared for a pandemic is actually one of them. Like this is one of the things they should be prepared yep. for. Having a trigger to be able to, to stop people from a, a hot zone like this is really important. Getting these things prepared, we should not have problems with masks and, 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 and these basics. Of, uh, that, that should not be an issue for a country like ours. Um, you know, but this is what happens when you get $22 trillion in debt. Uh, when you spend on frivolous things for decades and decades and decades, when something serious comes yep. up, you, you, you have nowhere to go. It's all about anti-vaping. I mean, yeah. the CDC was all about the vaping uh, the last number of months, always about HIV, which is much more preventable. 
Um, that's the problem. The base spending is on things that private industry should do, or in some cases, states should do. And then suddenly, every time we have a single hurricane, we're out of luck. We need more money. The problem is they suffer from groupthink. They don't think outside the box. We should be thinking right now, given the rumors of more flus and viruses from China, how do we have a massive surge in deregulation on labor, on environment, to ensure that we rebuild this economy based on American labor? And in America, at least for core things like the medical supply chain, it's not even a part of any phase two, phase three, phase four of this legislation. And in fact, you know what they are talking about? Putting more Chinese investor visas into the bill. I mean, that's like the 9-11 mosque equivalent, mm. the mosque at ground zero. I mean, are you kidding me? And then one more thing, Stu. I got a statement from State Department, the Bureau of uh, Population Migration. They said it's their it's their hope and their strategy to get refugee resettlement up and running on April 7th. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> that is the ultimate, you know, population spreader international and then you you know have the logistics to pick them up at the airport and settle them in all sorts of communities april 7th yet there's no strategy from the government to say look let's get other areas of our economy up and running by april 7th that's still a big gap but that's not as big as what they're legislating preemptively for and almost hoping for and almost creating a self-fulfilling prophecy for. But again, priorities, priorities. Mm. We got about one more minute here, Daniel. Um, it seems to me that there's a there's been a change in the Republican Party from one that said it was fiscally conservative um, and, did, you know, and occasionally. Uh, acted on that, but mostly was wishy-washy to one that's not even pretending they're fiscally conservative anymore. I mean, there doesn't even seem to be an attempt here. I mean, you see, you see Republicans coming back and outdoing the Democratic numbers. Schumer comes out with 750, and we come back with a trillion. This, this is, this is, this is. Is there even a conservative, fiscally conservative party that in existence anymore here in the United States? Well, th there's no fiscally conservative party the same way there's no socially conservative party and there's no national security and immigration uh, security <laughs> here, uh, conservative party. I, I mean, I'm just saying that there's nothing so righteous as a Republican Party hopelessly in the minority. I mean, that's when yeah. they're griping about this stuff. Um, it's like the cheerleaders, uh, you know, outside the field. But when the ball is in play and the men are on the field and the outcomes are in contention and you can actually change the trajectory they, they, they agree with them 100 percent. And this is the problem, at least if you're going to give them the subsidies because people feel a time in need. Give us the, the regulation reforms that that will actually deal with the systemic problems that make us so vulnerable to Chinese monopoli uh, monopolies. And, and their outbreaks. Absolutely. Daniel Horowitz, uh, senior editor of Conservative Review, host of the Conservative Review podcast. you got to subscribe to that. If you're on your uh, podcast subscription right now uh, or the app, just make sure you go over there, click subscribe to that right now. Uh, and uh, Daniel, thanks so much for coming on the program. Take care. God bless. You're going to, by the way, also get Daniel on Blaze TV. Did you know that? BlazeTV.com slash Stu. Uh, you can hear Daniel's podcast there and more extra conservative content than you can imagine. It's incredible. Incred it's, it's huge. It's huge. You can watch it bigly. Go to uh, blaze.tv.com. Promo code is Stu. We'll knock 10 bucks off for you if you do that. Back in a minute. You're almost there. One more day and you've made it through the first week of self-quarantine. Congratulate yourself. We'll see you tomorrow.